0: Don't be shy. Come and have a seat. Good evening, everyone. Uh, on this rather warm Saturday, it's good to be together and be the people of God. So, um, why don't we just take a moment and let's just commit this time to the Lord. Father, we just thank you for your goodness to us today. We just thank you for your love, and Lord, we just ask that you will be with us as we listen. As we respond to you, just ask that you would enable us now as we worship you in spirit and in truth together. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing. strong and mighty fortress Raise your voice now. no love is greater, who can stand against us if our God is for us Raise joy now our God is for us The Father's love is a strong and mighty fortress, raise your voice now, no love is greater, who can stand against us if our Slay, holy, holy is he. Sing a new song to him who sits on. Do you know this one? I've heard a thousand thousand stories of what they they think your life, but I've heard a tender. Dead up.
1: Thanks, Jeremy. Well, we have a good, good father. And um, our good father gave us his son not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. That's good news, isn't it? Well, Jesus, he was the creator God, almighty God himself, the transcendent one with no beginning and no end. The indescribable one who is sovereign over all. He humbled himself to become incarnate God. The creator entered into his own creation. Still fully God but he became fully human. He grew up from a babe to a man knowing the physical and emotional pain that we experience. The lure of temptation yet without sinning. Pure and holy. At his last Passover meal with his disciples... John tells us that Jesus took a towel he wrapped it around himself as the servants would and he went and he washed the disciples feet he he served those who should have been serving him he was demonstrating the upside down nature of his kingdom where if anyone would be first he must be last of all and servant of all Whoever humbles himself like a child is the greatest. And he says, The greatest among you shall be your servant. This is our Lord Jesus. He then goes on to institute the supper that we are partaking of today. And he says in Luke chapter 22, I'm reading from verse 14. And then the hour came, and he reclined at table, and the apostles with him. And he said to them, do this in remembrance of me and likewise the cup after they'd eaten saying this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood but behold and jesus continues talking here but behold the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table for the son of man goes as it has been determined but woe to the man by whom he is betrayed and they began to question one another. This is the disciples. Which of them it could be who was going to do this? Well, as Jesus is about to give up his body, he is in anguish as he thinks about the fact that he's going to be betrayed. But I wonder, I wonder as I think about that, and as I was reading this earlier this week, I was wondering, I wonder if his anguish would have been greater, not so much for... Judas who would betray him but for the disciples who didn't get his upside down kingdom he didn't get servanthood because we read on in this verse it says and a dispute rose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest Jesus said to them the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them and those in authority over them are called benefactors but not so with you rather let the greatest among you become your youngest and the leader as one who serves for who is the greater one who reclines at the table or one who serves is it not the one who reclines at table but i am among you as one who serves how often do we do the same we remember our lord's sacrificial death for us particularly so as we do the lord's supper and we celebrate this but we so easily forget his kingdom priorities these priorities that led him to his death in our place. How quickly does my pride well up, just like the disciples, and I sin in thought or word or deed by exalting myself. Too often we think more of or about ourselves than we ought, rather than humbling, humbling ourselves, being the least. Well, that's the thought I want to leave with you. We, we are just like the disciples. Sometimes we we forget so quickly. Well, Paul charges the Corinthian church and us through them to examine ourselves and to not drink of the Lord's cup in an unworthy manner. So let's each one of us examine our hearts. And um, before we partake of the cup and the bread, let's just examine our hearts. And let's keep on examining our hearts even as we leave today and on into the week that the gospel might remind us of what Christ has done for us that he would die for my sin, for my forgiveness, that I might live in his resurrection power to walk in humility. The service has come forward already, but as we prepare to take the Lord's cup, I would ask you to reflect just for a moment upon this servanthood call that Christ gives us, this call for humility, and consider Christ's example, which is so, so amazingly portrayed in the Lord's Supper. As you do that, we're going to get up just shortly, and we'll, um, first three rows will stand up, and we'll go um, up, on the, up on the screen behind me. We'll have the, um, can we bring that up? That's it. Okay, so we know how to walk down and, and out and grab the elements as we go. But before we do that, let's just give thanks. Father God, we thank you that you are a good father. And Lord, way before you created us, Lord, you already had planned to give up your only son in our place. Because we needed someone to die in our place, that we might be reunited to you and become your sons and daughters. And we thank you that he gave up his life for us. Thank you, Father. As we come up to collect, just remember that this supper is for those who have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. If you haven't done that, you haven't come to faith in Christ as yet, please remain seated. And for those who know Christ, please come forward and receive the elements. Jesus took the bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and gave it to them saying this is my body which is given for you do in remembrance of me let's eat together and likewise the cup after they had eaten saying this cup that is poured out for you is a new covenant in my blood let's drink together Father, we thank you for this Remembrance Feast. We thank you for your Son and his death and his resurrection for us. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Stand and sing.
0: And we see your river runs with love for me I will open up my heart And let the healer set me free I'm happy to be in the truth I will daily lift my hands I will always sing When your love came down I could sing of your love forever I could sing of your love Sing on your love forever I could sing on your love forever Over the mountains and the sea your river on we
3: time again where we have scripture at Subi. For those of you who are regular attenders, you will know that we are going through a verse each month for this year. And for this month, it's Psalm 910. And most of you should know it because it's the third week. So let's all say Psalm 910 together. Psalm 910. Those who know your name... Trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Thank you. A big welcome to uh, everyone here. Gong hei fa Um Happy New Year. Gong si fa chai. I hope everyone has a wonderful Year of the Rabbit and uh, has many blessings throughout the year. My name's Rowan. I serve on the Elder Board here at Subi. Um, If you're new here, please say hi to someone on the Connect team uh, or anyone with a red lanyard and introduce yourself to them. We have Connect cards. You'll find one physical copy either on your seat or on the seat next to you. If you could fill in that uh, afterwards, drop it into the bucket at the back or alternatively there should be a QR code on the seat in front so you could fill in one online. Even if you're a regular attender, please fill one in because it lets us know that you've been here. And also, if you want to respond to any queries, uh, any prayer requests, if there's any um, information you want about baptism, membership, small groups, or any of the activities coming up in the, the church, please put that on your care card. We have a time of offering now, and we encourage people to set up a regular Deposit through their bank. You'll find cards on the way in that you fill out to set up that direct debit. Alternatively, if you'd like to give physically, there are envelopes also by the doors there to put money in and deposit them in a box on the way out. Let's pray for the offering. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've given us all the gifts and skills and opportunities to earn money and we pray that uh, that you can take this money that we cheerfully give back to you out of that we pray that you use it for furthering your kingdom here at Subi and also through the various missions that Subi support throughout the world we pray that uh, you accept these with a cheerful heart amen We've recently had the Subi Summer Youth Camp, and thank you very much for all those who prayed for the camp. Uh, it's been a wonderful camp, and there was a, a great time of blessing for those who went. People had a fantastic time with fun activities, grew deeper friendships within the youth, and also went through the, the Gospel of Mark. Uh, we also thanks, thank the Lord that there was no injuries, considering there was uh, high ropes and outdoor activities, Thank you to Pastor Jordan and also to Annabelle and all those amazing youth leaders and volunteers who helped run that. It was a fantastic time. We hope to have more details about that in the future and also a video of uh, the activities. Upcoming events, we have a prayer walk on Australia Day this coming Thursday. That will be from 8am to 10am. Those who are interested, please assemble at the church here at seven fifty-five. The walk will be from nine to ten, uh, sorry, from eight to nine, and the prayer will follow that in the cafe from nine to ten. Next weekend is the last weekend of the Subi Subi summer schedule for the kids, um, and with that, there will only be a nine a.m. event for the kids. Following that, the 4th and 5th of February, we return to our normal schedule so there'll be activities at all services for primary school and preschool age children. Finally, we have a great announcement in that we have a new addition to the CB Church family. Congratulations to Silas and Nadine Lee on the birth of their son, Ezra Joseph Lee. He was born on the 8th of January and he is the second child for um, Silas and Nadine and and a younger brother to Oscar. Can you all please keep that family of four in your prayers? Thank you.
4: Good evening. This week's Bible reading is taken from the book of Genesis, chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand.
2: Uh, happy Chinese New Year. Apparently it's the year of the rabbit, uh, the water rabbit. That doesn't mean a lot to me, so if that means something to you, Please come and tell me afterwards. I'll be very interested what that means. I'd like to tell you a story about a young couple called Max and Stacy who go on a cruise. This is their boat. Looks beautiful. Now, this is pre-COVID when you'd actually want to go on a cruise, right? Uh, but they went on a cruise, a four-day cruise on the Mexican Riviera for their honeymoon. That sounds good? However, on day two of the cruise, they woke to the fire alarm and smoke in their corridor. There was a fire in the engine room of the boat, which killed all the power on the ship. So without power, 4,000 passengers and crew were left stranded bobbing up and down like a cork in the ocean. Now, without power, there was no electricity, no flushing toilets, and no air ventilation. Just think for a moment what the consequences would be. With no electricity, they weren't able to refrigerate the food or heat the food. And so mealtime required a two hour lineup for warm milk, warm yogurt, and unheated food. Yum. With no flushing toilets, they overflowed. And human waste began to seep through the walls. Of the lower deck cabins. So the boat became pretty much a floating portaloo. Uh, Stacy, the new bride, said this. It was very difficult, especially because the smells were unbelievable from the toilets and smoke and rotten food. It seemed like almost every floor we went up was a different odor. The hundreds of bedrooms with no windows were pitch black 24-7 and had no air ventilation. And so hundreds of passengers took to sleeping above deck in makeshift tents to get away from the stench and the heat below. Getting their money's worth. The journey hit more glitches when one of the two tugboats that was sent to escort the ship back to shore didn't have enough power to do the job, and so a third tugboat had to be sent out, and they had to wait for that tugboat to come. A four-day trip became an eight-day nightmare. Seven days in those conditions. The ship was to be taken to a Mexican port, but they discovered that right near the port was where the film Titanic was filmed. True story. And so the ocean uh, company, ocean line company, the cruise line company decided better of it, thought better of it. Now, without power, the cruise ship could not function. It was a disaster. It was left stranded. Without power, the tugboat could not do its job. Without power, you and I cannot function in the Christian life. We're left stranded. It's a disaster. We just heard in Genesis chapter 4, God spoke to Cain. And what did he say? Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. God here is picturing sin as a wild animal that is coiled low, ready to pounce and kill. Perhaps he has in mind Satan in the form of a snake who tempted Adam and Eve in the chapter before, coiled, ready to kill. God is telling us that sin within us is a very real power that wants to rebel against God, that wants to do that which is contrary to God's will, and unless we rule over it, it will rule over us. And you and I do not have the power in and of ourselves to be able to overcome sin. No way. We can't do it. So if we need power, but we don't have the power in and of ourselves, what can we do? How can we rule over sin? Well, this morning, this evening, we're going to see how Jesus ruled over it. And so we can learn how we can rule over it too. And wouldn't 2023 be a good year if we could rule over the sin in our lives? I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to read from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Please be seated. I'd like you to turn your attention to the screen just for a few moments.
3: this stone
0: becomes bread. Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, If God loves you, throw yourself down.
4: His angels will lift you up in their hands. How dare you put God to the test?
0: If you will bow down and worship me, I will give you the whole world. Satan.
4: Resists Satan's temptation.
2: Great video, hey? So let's have a look through this story. Verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. You think? Uh, I think it's one of the greatest understatements in the whole. Of the world uh, of all time, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was a bit peckish. Uh, I've done the 40 hour famine. Remember the old days when you did the 40 hour famine with World Vision? Anyone done the 40 hour famine? Yeah? I'm not sure if they do it anymore, but I remember I did the 40 hour famine. You get to about 35 hours and I'm like on my back, oh, groaning, can't move, just eating as many barley sugars as I could. For some reason, you're allowed to eat barley sugars. While you were fasting. But can you imagine 40 days? Studies in the British Medical Journal have shown that after 40 days without food, people suffer severe life threatening symptoms. Jesus' body would have been crying out for food, just a taste, just a nibble, to, to get rid of the pains, to get rid of the cramps, to get rid of the weakness. Now, when I first read that it was the Holy Spirit that led him into the wilderness, I had to kind of read it again. I would have thought the Holy Spirit would lead Jesus away from temptation, right? Not to temptation. But what the devil uses as a temptation, God simultaneously uses positively as a test in order to prepare Jesus. You see, Jesus was about to embark on Three years of intense ministry, which would end with him being whipped, beaten, crucified on a cross. Jesus' resolve to obey God's plan for him must be tested before he sets out. Overcoming the evil one at the outset would prepare him for all he would need to endure in the future. Now the wilderness is a lonely deserted remote place right we know that living in wa 40 days in a desert facing the scorching heat of the day and the bitter cold of the night alone with no food would be no picnic right there's another understatement jesus is weak he's alone he's vulnerable in fact god is putting him in the most vulnerable position he could to face these tests. Later when Jesus was arrested, everyone deserted him, didn't they? And he was left to deal with the lynch mob, the kangaroo court, beatings and and being crucified all on his own. And this testing in the desert helps him to prepare for that. When are you most vulnerable? When you're tired? When you're alone when you're away on business trips away from accountability it's at these times that you're most vulnerable to satan's temptations and that's when you need to be especially on guard now why did jesus fast for 40 days why not 39 days why not 41 days well we know that god's people israel were in the desert for 40 years And Jesus spends 40 days, which is a deeply symbolic representation of Israel's time in the desert. God's son Israel was sent into the desert to face trials and be tested. And one of those tests was hunger. And how did Israel do? They failed. They sinned against God. They complained. But now here's Jesus, the son of God, sent into the desert to be tested with hunger And Jesus does not fail. He does not succumb in any way. Through his obedience and loyalty, Jesus shows himself to be God's true son, the true Israel. And his perfect obedience makes it possible for you and I to be saved because Jesus' perfect obedience means he's without sin and therefore he is able to sacrifice his sinless self on the cross for sinful humanity and transfer his righteousness to you and to me let's keep going in the story the tempter came to him and said if you are the son of God tell these stones to become bread now there's nothing intrinsically wrong with with turning stone to bread Jesus knows he can and later on in the story, we know that Jesus turns five loaves and two fish into a meal that will feed 5,000. So why shouldn't he turn stone to bread here? What is the, what is the nature of the temptation? Well, Satan is saying something like, if you are the son of God, use your divinity to satisfy your needs. But if the Son of God used his divine privileges to overcome hardship, it would be the destruction of his entire mission, wouldn't it? Because he came to take on a human nature and to obey God where Adam failed, where we failed, where Israel failed. So through his perfect obedience, he could save us. So that's the nature of the temptation. Now, how does Jesus refute Satan's lies? Well, he goes to the Word of God, doesn't he? He goes straight to the truth, the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. This is our offensive weapon against Satan's lies. When the evil one tempted Jesus, Jesus didn't say, Oh, good one, Satan. Hang on. I've got a really good comeback for you. Hang on, just give me a sec. Just give me a sec. Um... It's in the Bible, uh, got something to do with bread. No, Jesus didn't say that, did he? Jesus knew the word. And the word nullified Satan's lies. Do you know God's word? Are you ready for the fight? Verse 4. Jesus answered, it is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's a quote from Deuteronomy chapter 8, where Moses is speaking to the people of God and he says to the people, one of the reasons that God sent you into the wilderness was that you would learn that hearing God and obeying God is more important than filling your stomach and this is what Jesus is saying hearing and obey the word of God Satan is more important than filling my stomach and satisfying my needs if I use my miraculous power right now to satisfy my needs to satisfy my hunger then I'm not obeying my heavenly father who sent me to identify with humans and it's far more important for me to do my father's will how about you? Is doing God's will the most important thing in your life? Then the devil, verse 5, took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So Satan also knows the word of God. He's quoting here, Psalm 91, he's saying to Jesus, hey, I know the Bible too, and I'm going to quote to you Psalm 91. See, Jesus, uh, Satan knows the word, but he doesn't submit to it. There's no point knowing the Bible if you don't do what it says. And here Satan misapplies the Bible. Lots of people quote Scripture, but you've got to be really careful that you don't misapply it in a way that will contradict other parts of Scripture. What does Psalm 91 say? Psalm 91 is a beautiful psalm which assures believers of God's care for us. Even if we stumble, even if we fall, God will care for us. But it doesn't assure us that he will necessarily care for us if we deliberately put ourselves in harm's way, like jumping off a building. Satan is tempting Jesus to put God to the test. You're the son of God, jump off. The angels will look after you god won't let anything happen to you go on you'll see jesus answered him it is also written do not put the lord your god to the test see if you got into if you get into your car and you start driving at 200 kilometers an hour in the rain and you pray, hey God, you say in your word that you will send your angels to protect me, it's presumptuous to expect God to help you in a situation like this, which you have chosen for yourself. Demanding miraculous protection as proof of God's care is wrong. The appropriate trust for us throughout life is trust. And obedience the appropriate attitude is trust and obedience Israel tested God Je- Jesus refused to Jesus trusted and he obeyed again verse 8 the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor now even at the highest mountain on the earth you can't see all the kingdoms of the world so perhaps this is some sort of visionary experience Keep going, next slide. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Now, Satan is described in the scriptures as the God of this world. And he has been given certain authority by Almighty God over this world. So what he says here has some truth to it. But Satan has only been given authority for a temporary amount of time. until he and his wickedness are thrown into hell for all eternity. Now, what is the nature of this temptation? Well, immediately before these temptations, Jesus, if you remember what comes immediately before, Jesus is baptised. And when Jesus is baptised, God speaks from heaven. And God says this, "'This is my Son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased.'" Now, this is a combination of two Old Testament passages. From Psalm 2, 7, this is my son whom I love. And from Isaiah 42, 1, with him I am well pleased. No one had ever put these two together before. No one had ever thought that they should be together. Why? Because Psalm 2 is a royal psalm. It's the psalm that was spoken when the king came to power. When he was anointed with the oil of God's authority. But Isaiah 42 spoke of this strange figure called the suffering servant. And this servant would suffer, he would be afflicted, and then he would take on the iniquity of the world. So no one had ever thought to put these two together the king who will rule and the servant who will suffer. But God says, Jesus, you're to be both the king and the suffering servant you will become king by suffering and this is satan's temptation he is telling jesus he's offering jesus to be king without suffering he's saying give me your allegiance so you can take a shortcut to kingship without suffering now that would have been a real attraction for jesus wouldn't there To be the rightful king over his world, but yet not having to suffer. To avoid the crown of thorns and to wear the crown of gold. That's the temptation. The Christian life, our life, our Christian life, it it, it will involve suffering. The Christian life is living the cross now in the hope of resurrection glory. That will come. We are going to be glorified, living in glory forever. But right now, we live the cross. And right in our ears, every day, there's Satan tempting us. You don't need to suffer. Life's too short to suffer. Who wants to be thought as the bad guy by your colleagues at work, by what, because of what you believe? Who wants family members excluding Excluding you because of what you believe. Who wants to give your hard-earned money away every week when you could be spending it on yourself? Stop following Christ. It will all go away. Will you follow Christ, no matter how hard it gets? Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God, And serve him only the first commandment you shall have no other gods before me if you keep the first commandment you won't break any of the other commandments if you keep the first commandment you'll never sin and if you sin you've already broken the first commandment the first commandment is the fundamental thing that defines sin and it's unthinkable for Jesus to break that first commandment it's unthinkable for him Away from me, Satan, he says. How about you? Is it unthinkable for you to put anything else before God? Verse 11, Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. This word attended here uh, went to the original language. Really interesting word. The word attended there actually means... To serve food. So Jesus had refused food. He had refused help from the angels if it involved sin. Because it involved sin. But now having resisted Satan, the angels come and they give Jesus food. And when we seek first the kingdom of God, we will be rewarded. In heaven for all eternity. And the devil left him. Now, the conflict between Jesus and the devil has only just begun. But the pattern of trust and obedience has been established. Jesus has learnt to resist the devil. He's defeated the devil, not by beating him up, but by obeying God. Now, someone might say, yeah, but Jesus was... He wasn't just fully human, he was fully divine. That's why he was able to come overcome, overcome Satan. We're not fully divine. We can't do that. But it was Jesus' human nature that was tempted. Because his divine nature can't be tempted. We're told in James that God cannot be tempted with evil. And so it's his human nature that is tempted. And Jesus ruled over sin because his human nature was empowered by God's powerful spirit, right? God, the Hebrew for God's powerful spirit is ruach. Ruach. It's good that no one's sitting in the front row because they'll get spit on. It's ruach. You can hear that, that it's a powerful spirit. Ruach. It's, that's how Jesus can overcome sin because God's powerful spirit enables him to. So how do you and I rule over sin? Well, we need power. Without power, it is a disaster. We need power, but we don't have it in ourselves. We need God's power. The same power that Jesus had to overcome sin. The only way to dispossess the heart of an old affection is by the expulsive power Of a new one. The only way to dispossess the heart of ungodly passions is by the expulsive power of a greater passion, the love for Christ. You see, sin is love out of order. We're meant to love God before all things, but sin is love out of order. We love things more than we love God. When the Apostle Paul writes, describes sinners, this is what he says, in the future they will be sinners, are lovers of themselves, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. It's sin out of order. Sorry, sin is love out of order. The Holy Spirit works in us and replaces our love for other things with love for God. It's what the Holy Spirit does. God's spirit changes us from the inside out. So we want to say yes to God and no to sin. And as I become smitten with the beauty of Christ, I will not want to do anything that will offend the one that died for me and the one that loves me that much. In order for us to tap into God's power that is available to us, We need to act. We need to act. So firstly, we ask God to dispossess us of those old affections and to fill us with new ones. He wants us to ask. Remember what Jesus said. Even you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? When was the last time you asked God to give you the Spirit? Ask him to dispossess you of your old affections and to give you a new affection. The second thing we do when we act is that we confess. We confess our weak affections for God and that our, the tendency of our hearts to wander wander after other things. We confess, and then thirdly, we take steps to connect to the power source. We take steps to connect to our power source. And this begins with discipline, which leads to desire, which leads to delight. Let me explain that as we finish. How do boxers prepare for a fight? Ever done any boxing training? How do boxers prepare for a fight? Eli, you've done some boxing training. What do they do? They get up at five o'clock, they go for a 15 kilometer run, they then come back and they do an hour of skipping. They then do an hour on the speedball. They then do a couple of hours of sparring. They then do a couple of hours of core work, smashing that medicine ball on their guts. When's your next fight? I don't know. Then why are you doing all this training if you don't know when your next fight is? Because I know there'll be a fight coming sometime soon. I don't know when, but I'm going to train hard every day so when it does come, I'm going to be ready. See, it's the same with you when it comes to temptation. When's your next temptation coming? I don't know. But I know it's coming. And so I'm going to connect to the power source, the word of God, and I'm going to pray. So when the temptation comes, I'm going to be ready. Right? We don't know when the next fight's coming. But we know it's coming. You and I are in a very real fight against sin and against Satan. And Satan is constantly trying to get through our defences. It doesn't matter how good we were in the last fight, there's another fight coming. We don't know when that will be. So we keep connecting to God's power source, to his word. We keep praying so we're ready when that next fight comes. See, our body wants to fall back to its default position, which is to sin. Sin is like our comfort food right? Our body loves it. For some people, it's alcohol. For some people, it's gambling. For some people, it's porn. For some people, it's spending money all the time. And we fall back to our comfort food, especially when we're not connecting with God. A fighter doesn't start off disciplined, but they train every day until they get into a routine, right? When, when a fighter starts and they've got to get up at five o'clock, right? They set their alarm for five o'clock on the first day. Alarm goes off and they're like, oh my goodness, there's no way I'm getting up now, right? But within a few weeks, they can throw their alarm clock away. You and I are not able to fight sin unless we're constantly connecting to the power source to God's word, to prayer. And as we have a dis- dis- uh, disciplined plan to repeatedly expose ourselves to the power source, that discipline, the, the discipline, sometime somewhere in a window of time, that discipline will become desire. And that desire will become delight. And the Holy Spirit will replace our love for other things with a love for Christ. And then sin won't rule over us, but we will rule over it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to acknowledge that sin is real in this world and it's powerful. And Lord, we want to rule over it. And we thank you that you've given us your power so that we might rule over it. but Lord, we don't we struggle. We struggle with it. I want to pray for each person here tonight. you may be here today and you're really struggling with sin right now. but you're trying to do it on your own. You haven't tapped into God's power source. the only thing that can help you rule over sin. I want to pray that we would act. Lord, we ask you to dispossess our old affections with affection for you. We confess that our affections for you are often weak and our hearts will often wander after other things, Lord. And as a result, we know in our own lives that sin is bringing us down. And so, Lord, we want to commit to connecting to the power source that you've given us, to the sword of the Spirit, to prayer. We want to commit to that, Lord. And as we discipline ourselves to expose ourselves to your Word, I pray, Lord, for each person here, that this discipline will somewhere in the window of time lead to desire, which will lead to delight. And that you would dispossess our old affections with the expulsive power of a new love for christ and for you that will enable us to rule over sin i pray it for each person here this evening for those who are really struggling i pray lord god that we would take this to heart i pray lord that you would give them the power to overcome that in their lives that which is bringing them down Pray this in Jesus' name, Amen.
0: Let's stand and sing our last song.
2: to pray with anyone, like to speak to anyone about what has been uh, addressed this evening, please come down the front and we'd love to pray with you. Uh, Otherwise, let me finish with the benediction. Father, I pray you'd bless each person here today, that you would fill them with your powerful spirit, that you would turn their desires towards you. I just pray that 2023 would be the year where some of those dogged sins that have held us back, that we would be able to rule over them. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.